You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded by the Rev. Carrie Klukas on Good Shepherd Sunday, May 12, 2019. A reading from the Gospel of John. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for holding us in the palm of your hand. Thank you for being a good, good shepherd to us, for leading us and coming after us and never giving up on us. Help us to see your kingdom reign and to be a sheep in your sheepfold. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday and it's also Mother's Day. And while I'm gonna preach about um, the Good Shepherd, I would like to acknowledge all mothers. This day can be um, a very sweet day for some, it can be a really sad day for others, and it can be a very bittersweet time for other people. So while I won't linger on this topic, I would like to thank God for all of the Christian mothers, for all of the godmothers or the grandmothers out there, especially all of you. Did you know that you're, um, we call you church grandmas? We say church grandmas, church aunties, Um, We thank God for you because you invest in the lives of other people. And thank you for choosing life. What a great and profound calling it is that you have to share Jesus, to love others and to proclaim the gospel with your life. Seek to bless those who are in your lives and with the message of hope and of goodness that Jesus gives you. So we're going to jump into the gospel today. Our gospel passage today opens up with Jesus being in Jerusalem and he's celebrating the Feast of Dedication. Our scripture passage gives us many specifics about the time of the year and is what is going on in Jerusalem so that we might understand the depth of his words. So first, what is the Feast of Dedication? To understand this, we're going to look back in history a few years before when Jesus was walking around. Antiochus, he was the Roman ruler, the fourth became ruler of the, um, of the Roman Empire, and he tried to force the Greek culture upon the peoples he ruled. For the Jews, this meant that practices like Sabbath observances and circumcision were prohibited, and their books of the law were actually burned. And in 167 BC, the temple in Jerusalem was desecrated by offering pigs on the altar, and the Jewish people were required 
to offer sacrifice to the pagan deities. This led a group of really pious Jews to revolt against Antiochus, and they fled to the mountains where they conducted guerrilla warfare against the armies. Their campaign was eventually crowned with success, and a few years later in 164 BC, the temple was rededicated to the worship of Yahweh. The rededication of the temple and the institution of this annual remembrance is the Feast of the Dedication. You can find it in your Bibles in 2 Maccabeans chapter 10, verse 1 through 8. Three years to the date after this disaster, they solemnly purified the temple. They offered the proper sacrifices, they lit the lamps, they prayed to God of heaven and earth that they might never suffer a thing again. And they commanded that every single year a festival should be kept to commemorate this occasion. It's called um, Hanukkah, we know it as Hanukkah, and it means dedication. And it falls on the 25th year, um, 25th day of the month, the Jewish month of Kislev, which is roughly about in December for us in our Roman calendar. So every time that the Jewish people celebrated Hanukkah, they not only thought about God and liberation, they not only thanked God for having the temple back again, they also thought about kings and about how they become kings. So here's Jesus walking in the temple during this festival of Hanukkah, and he's talking about the good shepherd, the real shepherd, the king who would come and show all the others up. The Feast of Dedication, celebrated in November and or December, took place in winter. And Jesus was said to be in the Solomon's Colonnade, which is located on the eastern side of the temple precincts, and it overlooks the Kidron Valley. And it's covered with this cedar-paneled ceiling that spanned 49 feet, and it was supported with these large white marble columns that went 38 feet high. This space would have been grand and a beautiful place. And it offered protection from the cold winds and it was used as a meeting place where people discussed the scriptures after the ceremonies in the temple took place. So in Acts chapter five, verse 12, we learn that the early Christians actually used this place to meet, to meet in Solomon's colonnade. This was a real place of historical significance in which many important theological conversations were taking place. And the setting that Jesus was in was really important to the gravity of his words. Never let it be thought that Jesus' message was anything other than controversial and dangerous. Never forget that the famous Good Shepherd chapter it ends, we don't read it today, but it actually ends with people picking up stones to try and kill Jesus. Controversy and danger are in these air of these words that Jesus is saying. So but what images do we get in our head, or do you get in your head, when we speak of Jesus as the Good Shepherd? 
soft, gentle pictures of Jesus holding serene lambs. He's looking serene and calm, surrounded by sheep and children, perhaps with a field of wildflowers and grazing sheep. The reality, the real question of what he was talking about when he spoke of himself as a good shepherd was, and it is, very different. It was then, and it is now, all about power and rule, and about God's kingdom in the world's kingdoms, and about God appointing a true king, not where there had been a vacuum waiting for someone to come and fill it, but where there had been too many kings or too many rulers who were all anxious and ready to strike out at anyone. As Jesus was walking in Solomon's colonnade, the Jews, they gathered around him and they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Their request did not arise from a genuine desire to know if Jesus was the Messiah and whether they should believe in him. Rather, it was another attempt to get Jesus to say something that they could incriminate him. The Jews in this area, they longed to kick off suppression of the Romans, and they wanted complete liberation, an acknowledgement of being an independent nation. Jesus' popularity was growing with the people and has significantly grown, and many were starting to believe that he was the Messiah. The Jews did not want their people leaving to this faith of the supposed Messiah. And despite all that, Jesus is recorded as saying to the Jews, including all the chapters that come after, he had never publicly stated before that he was actually the Messiah. He admitted to a Samaritan woman that he was the Messiah, but he never said it publicly. His claims to being living water and the light of the world and the shepherd of the sheep, they were astonishing. But what they wanted to know was, was he prepared to affirm that he was the anointed of God and the king of the coming of God? That's what the Jews wanted to know. While Jesus never claimed publicly among the Jews that he was the Messiah, in various ways, like his words indicated to them who he was. We must understand that the works done in the Father's name tell the Jews what they want to know, since they bear clear witness to him. Jesus' actions of the blind being able to see, of the lame being able to walk, of the demon-possessed being set free, they spoke of him. The life that Jesus was living demonstrated his kingship and his oneness with God the Father. No other prophet was able to do the miracles that Jesus was able to do. He performed many miracles in Jerusalem, but still the Jews, they refused to believe. They refused to believe Jesus was what he said because they were not his sheep. The Jewish leaders do not believe because they don't belong to the flock of Jesus. 
They've not been given to Jesus by the Father. Lots of people like to argue whether or not we can choose Jesus or whether he chooses us. And this scripture passage is not supposed to answer this question fully, but rather answer yes. Jesus presents himself and his message to people, and they either turn away from him, and they do not listen to him, and they do not hear his voice, or they turn towards him and they follow him. Often I hear of people in really difficult life decisions trying to ask God for help. However, they've lived a life that was fully turned away from God. They end up not being able to hear or to discern the voice of the shepherd in their difficult times of crisis. And if you've heard the gospel, do not, do not suppose that you have plenty of time to sort out your feelings about Jesus. Do not assume that you can choose him at a later date. The Bible says that our lives are like a vapor. They're like a puff of wind. That we're like the grass that comes up one day and fades and dies the next. We're here one moment and then we're gone the next. And each and every day that we have is a gift. If you're like on the way, Father Chris preached about being on the way last week. If you're on the way, then you need to live this life that is poured out for others. That's seeking to show other people the way to the Father. The Jewish leaders, they were not able to hear the voice of the shepherd because they were not on the way to the Father. They had decided how the Messiah was going to come and what it was going to look like. So often, I think, if you've been going to church for a really long time in your life and you've been a faithful follower for a long time, sometimes our lives begin to kind of look like the Jews, right? Sometimes our lives, we're like the Pharisees who get these ideas kind of about how life and church and everything should go. And we sort of get lost in all that other, our own idea of how things are going. That we miss the voice of the shepherd saying, we're going to step out a little bit. I want you to step out a little this way. I want you to um, follow me, even though it doesn't seem to make sense to you or make you comfortable. So often, the shepherd speaks to us in a way that, that causes us a little bit of uncomfortableness. How often do we decide how Jesus should heal us or how he should present himself to us? How often do you decide that he's not working fast enough or in the way that you would like? I'm an impatient person. I like things kind of done fast. I move fast. I think fast. I've got six kids. I have to move fast. Um, and often... That pressing back and saying, where are you right now? I want this right now. And Jesus says, I've got it. I've got you. And if we're not daily listening to Jesus, then we won't be able to hear his voice in times of crisis. Listening like I did with the kids, listening for a still, small voice is the only way we're going to hear. And Jesus 
desires deeply for you to hear his voice. Jesus desires to be your shepherd, and he is a godly, kind, and good shepherd. He doesn't pull you this way and that way and this way and that way. He's a steady, faithful, moving forward shepherd. Jesus returns once more in this gospel passage to the shepherd and sheep theme. And this time, he gives a glorious promise to his sheep. Those who hear Jesus' voice and they recognize it as the voice of their shepherd will be safe forever. He will look after them, even death itself, the last great enemy, cannot ultimately harm them. Jesus' bond with his Father makes him able to speak truth to the followers. And Jesus' trust in that goodness of the Father allows him to be able to direct those on the way to eternal life with a really good, good Father. This is like the first explicit statement of Jesus' oneness that we have in scriptures with the Father. Describing this oneness, the evangelist does not, um, in the Greek, he doesn't use a masculine form of the adjective ephes, which would suggest that the Father and Son are one person. Instead, he uses the neuter form, which is hen, and suggesting that the oneness of the Father and the Son here is oneness in mission and on purpose. The Father and the Son are one in making sure that no one No one can be snatched from the hands of God. The Christian confidence about the future beyond death is not a matter of wishful thinking or a vague general hope or a temperamental inclination to assume that things will turn out all right. It's built firmly on nothing less than the union of Jesus with the Father. Jesus' sheep will not be snatched out of his hand. And we live in an era where persecution of Christians is increasing with a radical frequency. We see in Europe, Europe is considered about a good 10 years or so ahead of us. Um, things happen in Europe, and about 10 years later, they cross the ocean and they start happening here. And we see over in Europe an increased persecution of Christians. And it's my belief that the wider church should begin to turn its attention to getting ready for persecution. This year in our homeschooling with my kids, we've been studying the Reformation. And I've had to tell stories over and over again of the faithful men and women who have chosen to stand for their faith in Christ and the word of God. They stood up in these trying times not knowing what might become of them for speaking the truth. They just have one moment in time where they were asked questions and they had to answer them, and they chose truth-telling in those moments. And these brave men and women were tortured, they were burned at the stake, and they had to watch their faithful friends die a brutal death. They did it for the gospel, and because they knew their shepherd, and they followed him in his ways, 
Despite all of their hardships, they were never, never snatched out of the hand of Jesus. Because the Father is greater than all the other stuff. And the security of his believers is guaranteed. No one can snatch them out of his hand. Jesus implied this just as his disciples were in his hand. So too they are in the Father's hand. Because as he said, I and the Father are one. Jesus was walking and he was talking and he was teaching in the colony of Solomon during the Feast of Dedication. He was proclaiming his oneness with God, the Father, and allowing his actual life's work to proclaim the truth to his sheep. Jesus was all about doing the will of his Father, and he shows us the way to go in our own lives. Jesus is this great shepherd who longs to care for his sheep, to provide for them, to give them eternal life in heaven with him. He longs for you to share your love and your experience of him with others. The older I get, the more I long to see people experience the power of worshiping Jesus and of being known by him. There is nothing in this life that is as sweet as experiencing the holiness and the love of Jesus. If you took all of the most, when I think of the most sweetest moments in my life, I think of holding those brand new babies that were just safely born into the world, holding them and feeling them, and feeling life, breathing life on on me and the, that beauty and that majesty of the love of a spouse, the um, finding a friend and knowing yourself and who knows you and accepts you for who you are. All these beautiful moments and sweetest moments of life, if you roll them all up, none of them could sustain you like the love and the guidance and the wisdom of following the Good Shepherd. So as you enter this week, may you be overcome with the love that Jesus has for you. May you seek out his voice and listen when he calls. His ways are good. They are kind and holy and loving. And Christ's sheep, they listen to his voice. And he knows them and they follow him. The emphasis in this falls on the shepherd, on the shepherd calling and establishing a relationship with his sheep. He gives eternal life to the sheep, for he lays his life down for them so that he can take it back up again. So may you share your love of him with others. And when people look at your life, may they see a life that is lived for the good shepherd. May they look at your life and see Jesus walking around, seeing Jesus doing powerful things. May they look at your life and see the same things in your own life. So to God be the glory now and forever. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, 
please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org slash sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.